Blog Talk Radio. To the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. What do those words mean to you? To me, they say, thank you, America, for your strength, your courage, and for our freedom, which has been a beacon to the world for 200 years. Of the United States of America. Whose bright stars are 50 states, each bearing its own stamp of individuality. People, 200 million strong. People who have come to her from all corners of the earth. And to the Republic for Richard Stanton. A land of laws and an ingenious system of checks and balances that allows no man to become a tyrant and lets no group prevail if their power is not tempered with a real concern for the government. A land where the right of dissent and free speech is jealously guarded. Where the ballot box is the sword people, it's real. One nation under God. A land where freedom of worship is a cornerstone of her being. A land graced with temples and churches, synagogues and altars that rise in profusion to embrace all the religions of the world. A land forged by the hot steel and raw courage, conformed forever by the awful crucible. Civil War. Liberty. Where a man in pursuit of an honest life will not be denied his chance. Where her citizens move freely within her vast borders without hindrance or fear. A land brimming with opportunity. Where freedom of choice is the guideline for all. And justice. The courts of our land are open to all. Its wheels of justice grind for all causes. All people. They look to every avenue for justice, every concern of the law, and they temper their reasoning with mercy for all. God bless America. God bless the United States of America. Hey, welcome, folks, for another hour of the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Let's kick this party started. Let's get this party started and kick it off right here and now. Tonight, tonight marks a hallmark in American television history. My main man and yours, J.R. Ewing, is back. The ultimate one percenter, the ultimate corporate raider, the ultimate oil man. He speaks for us, the one percenters. He speaks to us. He speaks for us, the corporate raiders. He speaks to us, Ayn Rand's 
Well, Atlas Shrugged, baby. It's all about me one time. It's all about wealth. It's all about power. It's all about personal achievement. It's not about what can I do for my neighbor. It's not how can I help a friend. It's not living for anyone else. It's about living for yourself. It's about personal achievement. Personal achievement sparks achievement and it trickles down. Oh yeah, that's what it's all about. Hey, let me tell you something right now. I have four children, two girls, two boys. They all are striving for greatness. They are the best America has to offer. And I don't say that as a parent. I say that as an individual just observing their achievements, their competitiveness, the way they compete with each other for the best grades, for the best standings in school and in service right now with the United States Marine Corps and Navy. They are competitors. And in being competitors, they are the best at what they do. And who kicked it all off? It was me. It was me. I always strove for greatness. They saw it. They love it. My children are a product of me. I wasn't all, hey, just do the best you can. You're special. You're the best. No one's better than you. I remember one time my son was um, playing soccer. You know, in the little kitty soccer. The cute little socks and the shoes and the jersey and all that. And I kept yelling for him, Nick, get in there, man. Get in there. Kick that ball. You know, like most kids, fathers. And when they all came off the field, a lot of kids got hugs and kisses. And I said to Nick, what happened, man? What happened? You didn't score a goal. You didn't score a goal this time around. Next time you get out on the field, I want to see a goal scored. Or I want to know the reason why after you come off the field. Now, somebody might consider that to be harsh to speak to a a five, six-year-old that way. But paid off in the long run. Not only is my are my sons and daughters compassionate, respectful, honest young men and women, but they are competitors, deeply competitive. And tonight, I say I owe it all to one man. My boyhood idol. No, it wasn't George Washington. No, no, it wasn't Abraham Lincoln. No, it wasn't even my main man, Richard Nixon. I owe my competitive spirit, my achievement, to one man and one man alone. Yeah, J.R. Ewing, baby. J.R. Ewing. Not, not even my dad. My dad was great. Yeah, and I love him, and I owe it all to him. But J.R., when other kids were talking about, hey, if you do that again, I'm going to whoop your ass. No. I didn't go there. For me, it was a, hey, you do that again, I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to destroy you. J.R. style. Because that's what it's all about. G-Ski, Southern Sense, Alexander Solo, uh, evil clowns in the house. We're all here tonight. Because tonight kicks off the first episode in the comeback of my main man and yours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, baby, Jr. is back, and with that, we're going to kick off my boyhood idol right here, right now. The ultimate one percenter, folks, the man who started it all.
All right. Are we done yet? No, my brother. <laughs> There's so much more to come. You know, as a young man, I idolized J.R. Ewing. I have pictures of J.R. on my bedroom wall. When other folks had in my neighborhood had Walter Payton, quarterback Jim McMahon of the Chicago Bears, and, well, a host of other sports heroes, I had this man right here. This man right here, J.R. Ewan. Dig it. You seem mighty happy with yourself tonight, J.R.? You managed to evict some widows today? You keep drinking like that, you're going to be evicted onto a trash heap, dear. I'm amazed you're not a better loser. After all the experience you've had, I just want you to know, J.R., I'm going to nail you. Now, haven't you noticed? you got to be a man to play in my league. Hello, how's your daddy? Well, he's really very sick. Thank you, Lucy. You mean drunk? A lot of that going around. Hey, hold on, Ray. You're just a hired hand around here. Don't try to shift the blame on me. Well, everybody can see that she's cracking up. Slowly and surely, and who can blame her? I mean, she finds out that her daddy, Digger Barnes, is no relation at all. And her real father is a saddle tramp and a thief. And, and her mother's a whore. Now, who could find it in their heart to hate that poor little girl, huh? Could you? Tell me, J.R., which slut are you going to stay with tonight? What difference does it make? Whoever it is, it's got to be more interesting than the slut I'm looking at right now. I'm going to bring Bobby down. I'm going to cut him out if I have to destroy Ewing all to do it. Marriage is not always a bed of roses. Isn't that right, fam? No? Nobody here but us rich folks. <laughs> oh, his money saved, J.R. Oh, I know it. Pays to have Ewing blood in your veins, no matter how I got there. No one you care so much for Sue Ellen. She's just like your mother. Another drunken slut who ran away. You slime. You make me sick. Keep out of my way, Pamela, or I'll destroy you. What do you like in your coffee? Bourbon. Well, you have a very perverse way of looking at what's right and wrong, honey. And I suppose that's to be expected from the illegitimate child of a ranch foreman and the stepdaughter of the town drunk. Yeah. Mr. Ewing, there's a Mr. Cliff Barnes here to see you. Who? Cliff Barnes. Tell him to get lost. I'm putting you on notice, Barnes. Oh? I'm going to destroy you. You just get dumber and dumber every day. <laughs> you have succeeded in becoming the perfect failure. <laughs> I don't believe it. <laughs> I just don't believe it. From now? I'm sorry Ray isn't here. Well, Ray was always uncomfortable eating with the family. I mean, after all, we do use knives and forks. Oh, I'd like to, Dave. I really would. But uh, somebody's got to mind the store. You see, my daddy and I handed the reins of Ewing oil over to an amateur once before. And almost lost the whole shooting match. From now on, my life is going to be strictly monogamous. Real happy to hear you're working with Mary Lee Stone. Are you? Try not to write any checks on her money. and wouldn't want you to ruin her company like you did your mama. Ray just doesn't have the strength of character of a real Ewing. Oh, of course, that's understandable in his case, you know. Gary's coming in? All right. Who couldn't... Who couldn't love that man? I mean, picture this. I'm sitting in front of the television. <laughs> and I'm digging it. I'm loving this man. Is there something wrong with me? Is that wrong? Is it? Is it weird? Is it weird that a little black child, a young black teenager... Sits in front of the TV every night with bated breath, waiting for his idol, Jr. to destroy or malign or cheat or steal or connive or destroy another human being on the show. Is it wrong? I think not. You see, I come from a family where achievement was expected. I come to from a family where good grades were expected. I come from a family that didn't say, hey, look at those rich white folks. 
Disgusting. How horrible is it? Rich white folks working, living off the backs of somebody else. No, I come from a family that says, you can be like that. You can have that. You can have the big houses and the fancy cars and the fine suits and the pretty women. You can have it all. All you have to do is work hard, get good grades, study, put in the work, punch the tickets, buy the numbers, do your thing, and ultimately, you can have it all. This is, comes from my parents, and they were absolutely right. They were absolutely correct. So I owe my success, the success of my siblings, my children, to my parents, who, when we came home from school with B's and C's, well, we were put on notice. No, we didn't blame Whitey. We didn't blame anybody. We didn't blame the school system. We didn't blame anyone. There was no blame. You either did or you didn't. There was no try. There wasn't, I will do my best. In my household, their best wasn't good enough. Now, some would say, perhaps I grew up in a harsh environment without any love, without being truly nurtured and cherished. Mm, not the case. My family, my parents, simply expected excellence in everything we did. And we knew nothing else. It was expected from the time we took our first steps until today. You see, that kind of thing is passed down from generation to generation. It doesn't skip a generation, like my hair loss here. No. And I pass the same principles, the same value system down to my children. They are ultimately successful. My sons bear no tats. My sons wear no earrings. My sons wear no loud jewelry. My daughters are ladies. Can you imagine how many little, how many young black men can you count that doesn't have a single tattoo? Not a single one. Alan, Nicholas, bear no tats. How many young black men, or even white for that matter, doesn't have an earring in his ear? My sons, Alan, Nicholas, have no holes in their ears for earrings. I grew up in a household where J.R., Blake Carrington, they were the good guys. They were the guys to look up to. They, oh, no, you didn't want to be like them. Well, not like, not like J.R., J.R. was uh, ruthless, without scruples. We didn't want to be raised like that, but we did want to be raised for achievement. And we were. So, without further ado, we're going to take one more short break. Let you listen to a little bit more of my main man, J.R. And then we're going to get on to narcissism, pathological lying, and politics. Once again, you're listening to the C. Situation Report. I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. How are you? Try not to write any checks on her money. I wouldn't want you to ruin her company like you did your mama. Ray just doesn't have the strength of character of a real yay. Oh, of course, that's understandable in his case. You know. Gary's coming in? Well, that's nothing like a little inheritance. Get a man to come back home. Well, Gary and Ray... Well, what's a family for if it can't take care of its losers? 
All I'm saying is I'm glad that Mama didn't schedule another voting meeting. The only way we'd get Ray there to vote this year is to hold it in the bar. What were you doing in the south of France with Mark Grayson holding hands? Now tell me, was Mark Grayson the only one? Or did you try a few Frenchmen just because you were there? Everybody warned me about doing business with you. Well, maybe they were right. Hello, Pam. Say, weren't you here a couple of months ago? You're not going to make a habit out of this, are you? Barnes, you're as dumb as your daddy used to be. You're going to bankrupt your mama's company and wind up just like your daddy. A drunk and a bum. How nice. You're concerned about my happiness. Oh, no, I don't give a damn about you or your happiness, honey, but I do care about what's good for me. Well, yes, there's some truth in the idea that we were going to share the company. Well, I'll be there. I've never been a sore loser. Congratulations on your win, Bobby. Not that it makes any difference. I mean, we have decided to be partners, right? Huh? Bob, you've never gone back on a deal. We are partners, right? Just the way Daddy wanted it. Well, if it isn't the whole Barnes Wentworth plan. Oh, by the way, Pam, what name are you using now that you're no longer a Ewing? It's really none of your business, is it? Oh, well, I was just curious as to how I'm going to introduce everybody, but, uh, well, you know Jenna Wade. And Jenna, you remember Pam? Bobby married her after you ran out on him. Yeah, the proper recipient of a Digger Barnes Scholarship Award isn't a university. It's neighborhood ball. Excellence in broadcasting presents Liberals of Genius. Liberals of Genius. Today we salute you, Mr. President of the United States. You single-handedly managed to choke all the life out of the world's greatest economy in record time. Ten percent unemployment. No one else could have apologized more, spent more, or built a rat maze healthcare system from hell that only the IRS could love. What were you thinking? Thanks to you, FDR will be known as a conservative, Carter will look presidential, and Joseph Stalin won't seem like such a bad guy. Joe was misunderstood. So crack open a good book, sit on your butt, and help your buddies with a snowball's chance in November. Mr. President, the one we weren't waiting for. Robert Jones Situation Report. I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. Southern Sense. And Radio Check and Cool Mike. Their show has been featured once again. Sorry, I had to yawn at the fact that Southern Sense show is being featured because, quite frankly, it's featured almost every other week. I mean, what's new here? Either Southern Sense 
Annie and Cool Mike are slipping some extra cash under the table to blog talk radio personnel. Or they just got a great show. <laughs> and I think that they simply have one of the best shows on blog talk radio. And I recommend that you check it out. Along with my main man, G-Ski Rocks, the 2020 Radio Network. And then the, later on, if you're an insomniac, you can't get to sleep, or if you just get up in the middle of the night and you got to go pee, tune in to <laughs> GGT 183, conservative primetime at 1130. <laughs> Man, that show is wild. I usually, well, I tell you what, I need to go ahead and put a little cash together because apparently the only way I'm going to get my show featured on Blog Talk Radio is through some form of financial, well, transaction, shall we say? Oh, well. All right, with that in mind, with the classic narcissist, which is what we're going to talk about right here, language is used cruelly and ruthlessly to ensnare one's enemies, to sow confusion and panic. Narcissism. To move others to emulate the narcissist is to leave the listeners in doubt, in hesitation, in paralysis, to gain control or to punish. Language is enslaved and forced to lie. The language is appropriated and exploriated. It is considered to be a weapon, an asset, a piece of lethal property. A treacherous mistress indeed to be gang-raped into submission. Pathological lying is one of the hallmark characteristics of the narcissist. And, and, and they do it out of a need. A need to manipulate and maintain control. You guys know who I'm talking about? For the immature narcissist, there's an essential emotional truth. Lying is an expression of his or her mistrust of others and his or her need to maintain a fragile sense of self at all cost. Being honest means to be vulnerable. And to be vulnerable terrifies the narcissist since his primary goal is to control others. Through projection, he consistently fears that others will try to control him. Thus, lying becomes the modus operandi through which he can maintain his superficial presentation of himself and to keep people from learning the truth of who he really is. The narcissist never allows himself to be pinned down or accountable, such as, it's someone else's fault. It's the fault of the weather. It's the fault of the Asian markets. It's the fault of the foreign markets. It's George Bush's fault. It's not my fault. Such things keep people are designed to keep people from learning the truth. The truth of who the narcissist really is. He never allows himself to be pinned down at all. And typically, he even begins to believe his own lies and become outraged at any suggestion that he may be lying. Thus, the narcissist becomes sincere in his lying. And others may actually believe the lies because of the sincerity. Hence, I did not have sex with that woman, Ms. Lewinsky, as he bites his bottom lip. This is why... This is why truly pathological liars such as sociopaths, are so hard to detect in the population. In general, the lack of an ability to feel guilty about the lies and the perverse sense that he is entitled to lie are standard for the political narcissist. 
how many of you have heard politicians, they all lie. It's a given, isn't it? When George Bush is accused of lying, it's really bad. He's a liar. When Bill Clinton lies his ass off, oh, wink, wink, nod, nod. <laughs> he's just being those good old boys. When Barack Obama lies, he's not lying at all. Others are lying on him. But when you combine an overwhelming need to make oneself look better, i.e. superior, with a grandiose sense of self-worth, throw in glibness and a superficial charm that easily convinces others of your sincerity. Such as when Barack Obama jokes about, well, it being someone else's fault. Sincerity. Then there's a little... There's little to stand in the way of easily manipulating others to your will. Of course, of course, it it behooves you to also throw in to the mix that whatever you do, you do it for the sake of others. And children are a good standby, as in, do it for the children. Let me refresh your memory about some basic uh, psychological defense mechanisms, such as denial, which is an immature defense defined as an attempt to reject unacceptable feelings, needs, thoughts, wishes, or even, or even a painful external reality that alters the perception of ourselves. This psychological defense mechanism protects us temporarily from knowledge, things we don't want to know, insight or awareness that threatens our self-esteem, or mental or physical health, or of course our security, things we don't want to think about, unacceptable feelings, things we don't want to feel. One, one typical denial is repression. Now, repression is a is what is what psychologists and psychiatrists classify as a neurotic defense, characterized by a seemingly inexplicable naivete, memory lapse, or lack of awareness. Repression is often dismissed as an artifact of diminished attention by cognitive psychologists, but but I find that it almost always reflects a rather creative method to resolve some inner conflict for the person who uses it. With repression, effect is relatively, no, specifically out in the open. But the associated idea is out of the mind and unavailable to consider. Someone who has repressed some knowledge may be genuinely astonished that someone would consider them to have deliberately ignored an issue. The forgetting of repression is different from an ordinary forgetting that is often some sort of parallel symbolic behavior that goes along with it. Cool Mike is in the house. W-V-W-W-B or W-V-B? Hmm. Can't see that far. Got some, uh, I don't have my glasses on. Repression. Repression. Most often, repression is associated with hysteronic traits. A typical example might be the doting and dutiful wife who remains blissfully unaware of her husband's constant philandering. Although the evidence is obvious for everyone to see, and she does not understand why she feels anger at her spouse. She may uh, defend him passionately from his accusers, but the anger will find its way to express itself in various ways within their relationship. We've all been there. Well, some of us. Or another example is a devoted public servant and leader of a party, perhaps, whose behavior 
in a recent press conference raises red flags in almost everyone who is watching and listening. Hmm. Neo. Neo Neocon captures the essence of a philosophical dilemma such as Nancy Pelosi. Some people have asked why Nancy Pelosi hasn't just said, look, at the time of the waterboard briefings, I thought it was okay. But now I see the light and I'm against it. Such a statement would have arguably gotten her in a lot less trouble than the course she took that th- that she ultimately took. Instead, a sense of ever-changing and hedgy excuses that read as lies, culminating in her making accusations against the CIA and that have roused its formidable defenses against her. And that's just one example. Why do we trust politicians? Why? They're all liars. They do things and they justify their lies because it's for the good of the people. Obama. Psychological denial. The private sector is doing fine. Suggests that he's out of touch with reality. Psychological repression suggests that, well, he has neurotic conflicts. Deliberate lying suggests that he is a liar. Normal forgetfulness suggests that he is clueless and inattentive. We just call him President of the United States or Barack Hussein Obama. And his lies or denials or outright outright lying and falsehoods are simply looked upon as, well, he's a politician. They all lie. But does that make it right? How does that help us? Of course... All of this could be a vast right-wing conspiracy to take down the poor, hapless uh, president of the United States. But I suspect that it's Obama's own neurotic conflicts coming home to roost, to coin a phrase. Neurotic defenses may be used by all sorts of otherwise intelligent people including the President of the United States. And in this case, the willingness to believe anything that is said, especially when it is said by a Democrat, no matter how obviously ridiculous it is, while sneering and demeaning anything said by a Republican, no matter how true or obvious, suggests an underlying neurotic conflict such as Barack Hussein Obama's consistently blaming the Bush administration. Now, I don't know about you, folks, but Mr. Obama is quite nearly four years into his presidency as United of uh, 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 presidency. How do you respect a man who? Refuses to take responsibility. I've asked this question numerous times on blog talk radio shows. Numerous times. We are taught. As young men. Those of us who are fortunate enough to have. Parents. Are taught. As young men. Boys. To take. Responsibility. Right or wrong, if you are in charge, 
You are in charge. There is no we, there is no they. I am in charge. I accept the responsibility. I accept the failures. I accept the triumphs. It's all on me. What has happened to that, folks? What is happening to what's happened to a man being a man? That's all I'm asking. That's all I'm asking. When have we stopped being men? Since when have we stopped being responsible? Since when have we stopped taking responsibility? Or have we succumbed to perpetual displacement? Barack Obama, poor Barack Obama, can't turn the page. He can't turn the page on Bush. Or is it that Obama and company are unable to turn that page because their entire successes and current power grab depends solely on this bizarre neurosis of theirs. They're a narcissist and they're liars. In both parties, let me be clear. Of course, Barack Obama's rather blatant attempt to play fast and loose with the truth even as he loudly demands truth commissions, is nothing more than an extreme narcissism and psychological lying that is peculiar to politics. It's amazing that Obama and the Democrats in general seem not to believe in the God nemesis. There's an odd sense among Democrats that nemesis simply doesn't exist. A once vain-bulging Al Gore who barnstormed the country, slurring President Bush by calling him a liar, now seems baffled about the president he set as vice president, albeit much more politely in the case of Cheney questioning the policy of the current president. The president himself. Call in numbers 347-884-8500. And I'm your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. We'll take a short break. We'll come right back and we'll wrap things up. JR, back. Wow. Keep the family fortune rolling in. See you, Why did you do that? Because you needed slapping down, Cliff. Tomorrow morning, the janitor's going to come in here and sweep you out with the rest of the trash. Unless, of course, you do the honorable thing. Get in the elevator, go up the roof, and jump off, huh? <laughs> I expect to find you in my bed tonight. I'll probably be late. Wait up for me. Well, the pressure may be off of us. What about Pam? I don't give a damn about Pam. Well, congratulations, young lady, on finding yourself a real nice home. You know, you're really something. No wonder my daddy didn't want to have anything to do with you. Well, it's a shame you're not more like him. Well, look here. Birds of a feather. Plotting an assassination, are you? Or trying to figure out some way of stealing somebody else's company? You know what they say. Losers tend to flock together. Ah, like the little lady you're with, huh? Cliff. <laughs> I've always heard you're a big spender, J.R. Tell me, how much did it cost you to have her throw me over? Oh, that was for free. All she had to do was hang around with you for a while. 
Well, enjoy your champagne. I hope you paid for it, Barnes. I think we'll be moving along. I knew we shouldn't have come here. Oh, Tarzan, I wouldn't have missed that for the world. <laughs> hey, Barnes. I told you not to drag me into court. Now the whole world knows what a loser your daddy was. Not supposed to hereditary, huh? <laughs> what are you doing here? I just want to see if you're still sober. Sue Ellen, don't bother with that story on my account, honey. We both know you're lush. I didn't know. Of course you didn't know. How could you have known? You were too busy rolling around in bed with that saddle tramp. I had one brother and he's dead. Nobody can ever replace him. Least of all, you two. Now, you listen to me, Kennison. There was a time I wouldn't waste a minute on you. I'd simply have your legs broken. Ray, I stopped trying to explain the oil business to farmers a long time ago. If you want to ruin your life, go ahead. But you're a whole lot dumber than I ever thought a brother of mine could be. With the exception of Ray and Gary, of course. I got news for you. Every independent in Texas is going to be on my bandwagon soon. <laughs> well, they sold a lot of tickets for the Titanic, too. <laughs> well, are the bars closed, or were you just 86? Family. Well, look around the table. Can't see family for the outsiders. I'm kind of tired of half-breeds and moochers and strangers hanging around here. You don't have any class, well, and you never have. I took lessons from you all these years. I guess I must have learned very well. The only thing you ever learned is that vodka doesn't smell on your breath. Hello, JR. Well, hello, Daddy. You know, Cliff Barnes, you are the sorriest excuse for a man that I have ever met. Well, I'll second that. Sir Ellen and I went to the Auburn's last night. And who did we run into but that termite brother of yours? Is that your concern, for God's sake, the memory of a dead girl? A very high official approached me and told me that if I paid the right price, he could fix things and I'd never have to worry about this again. But that person didn't know J.R. Ewing. I don't believe in bribery. Oh, I knew there was a reason I liked that boy. Yeah, he's just about the best liar I ever met. With the exception of myself, of course. You're not worth the money I'm paying you. If a cop can't break the law, what the hell use is he? Yeah, you do that. While you're at it, book yourself on the Titanic. <laughs> oh, James, never tell the truth when a good lie will do. The day I started living by the rules you set down is the day the Dallas Cowboys will be back in the Super Bowl. Hey, it's J.R. here. Listen up. Well, of course I know what time it is. So what? I'm never going to let a wife of mine dictate to me. I'm not trying to dictate to you. The hell you're not. Clayton's leaving to see Grandma tomorrow. Oh, wonderful. Any message you want me to give her? Yeah. Tell her I wish she was still single. You got no morals. You got no scruples. You might be worthy of me yet. Hatching your silly little plots and your silly little heads. You're not good enough to wipe the spit off my boots. If Mama needs me, I'll be at the single tree. That's Mama's chair. Nobody sits in it but her. Where would you like for me to sit? Right there. Used to be Pam's chair. Couldn't stand her either. Well, <laughs> we are back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Wasn't that just, just delicious? I mean, how could you not love that guy? How could you not love Jr.? Now, I know a lot of you love to hate Jr. But was I mean a lot? No, no. Let's just let's just be honest. A lot of things that he said, you you laughed, didn't you? I know you did. You laughed. You thought you keep crazy. Uh, twenty twenty radio networks in the house. He's got to roll out. He's got a show coming up in just a few minutes. Uh, 2020 Radio G-Ski Rocks, 9 o'clock. Please be there. I know I will. Maybe he'll talk a little bit about uh, Dallas coming on again tonight. Oh, yeah. Dallas is back, folks. JR is back. It's going to be great. Hopefully it won't be too politically correct. Hopefully it won't be a watered-down version, uh, uh, an indictment against 
the one percenters, those rich, those rich, evil white folk. Somehow rich and white have gone together for a long time. I never understood that. Uh, I come from a comfortable family, and uh, we're not white. But, uh, hey, we are the 53%. We're not the one percenters. We're the 53 percenters. After initially hearing about the uh, the occupied Wall Street crowd claiming to represent the 99%, people who make less than 343000 my reaction was, no, no, you're not. You're just the 47% who don't pay any taxes. So if you go on and do the math, that means that the rest of us are the 53%, the people who actually pay taxes. Apparently, there is a burgeoning movement cascading under the banner of we are the 53%. I number myself as one. And I get it. Let's be frank. The 53% is the Tea Party. It was the Tea Party that got out first to protest the bank bailouts and to put an end to the Fed. The main difference is that the Tea Party blames the government for the bailouts while the Occupy folks blame Wall Street and the free market capitalist system. The system that made America great. Hold on a minute. My monologue has been interrupted with some some fuckery. Vince has stated in the chat room that believe it or not, he never watched Dallas. Southern Sense, who has the name Southern in her name, writes, don't worry, Vince, neither have I. What kind of madness is this? Never watched Dallas? Never watched Dallas? I bet these two never watched Miami Vice either. Never watched the Colbys. Or the Love Boat. You know, where those rich white folks got on that fancy cruise ship and wore tuxes to bed? What kind of craziness am I am I reading here? The Colbys? Knott's Landing? Dallas? My goodness, I'm speechless. The world has truly gone to hell. When Southern Sense can come right out and say that she has never watched Dallas, well, it's back. It's back, and it's on tonight. Vince, Dallas is back. JR is the man. You listen to the clips of JR. I'm sure he's going to be in rare form tonight. So, Without further ado, <laughs> we're going to wrap this party up because I got to get to Dallas. It's probably already on. And I'm still reeling from these two revelators, the revelations that have been exposed here and now. They've never watched Dallas, not a single episode. Well, that's just crazy. Huh. Okay, well, with that, 
uh, we're going to go ahead and cut short our 53 percenters, save that for tomorrow. And we're going to get out of here so we can get ourselves in front of the television simultaneously listening to 2020 radio. G-Ski Rocks comes on right after my show, 9 o'clock, and Dallas, which comes on in just a few minutes. So, Vince, Southern Sense, get yourselves in front of the TV. This is this is a happening, happening, happening event. JR is back, baby. And I love it. I love it. I based my whole career on that dude. And quite frankly, I did rather well. It's good to be me. It's good to be me because of my main man, J.R. Ewing. God bless you. God bless the United States of America. We are out. Good night, folks. Oh